0: Please.
1: Bootsy here to bring the Truth and Rhythm family's attention to funk, not fight. Yeah, this is a call to action. We spread hope, not hate, uh, to gain satisfaction throughout our communities via the music uplifting unity. Uh, Peppermint Patty, tell us a little more.
0: Thinker is our partner. Think or music, that is. So please check the link that's scrolling across the
2: bottom, click it, and submit your
1: music.
0: Let's all
1: funk, funk not, not fight. fight. Welcome back to the next part of this Truth and Rhythm episode. Be sure to subscribe to this channel. If you've already done so, please share it with friends. Also, become a member by joining Truth and Rhythm on Patreon or consider donating at funkinstuff.net. Thank you so much for your interest and support. Enjoy. Jody, is there one or two uh, just most unforgettable um, performance memories that you could share with us? Um, maybe one that was just um, really a high of some kind and maybe one where something funny or unexpected happened?
2: Um. Yes, there's there's quite a few. One I remember, one of the most mind blowing was we were playing in Washington D.C. Uh, there, there was the arena there. I don't know, I forget the name of it, but it was it was pretty big and it was a sellout. And the first thing was that I don't know if the limo driver was late or something, but we got there on time. But he got we got in that car and he was flying and all this people. Uh, cars the traffic trying to get into the venue and he was driving on a shoulder and he had to be driving like crazy to get us there and I remember how scary it was but when we played that place that place was so it I I, Philip Ingram would know the name of that venue because Philip he has a photogenic memory so if you ever ask him what venue we played in Washington DC he would say oh yeah it's such and such I don't remember the name of it. I just remember it was big and it was sellout. And I remember we were playing and we were jamming and you look up and they had uh, the jumbotrons up and everything. And and I remember looking up and seeing us up in those, you know, in uh, those jumbotrons, so to speak. And for some reason, that's the first time I that was my first time seeing something like that with us up there you know and all that and so i it it just stuck in my mind I'm like wow this is you know we made it <laughs> i mean that's how i felt at the time you know when i saw that uh and uh but that was one of the uh, good memories one of the cruel memories was when we were in dallas and they pulled the plug on us
1: <laughs> the venue did or another, or another
2: another band the venue did because there was uh, you know, it was a union venue and all that. And and we were jamming and want to be closer, passing out roses and everybody's just having a good old time. And somewhere on the side they kept telling us to cut it. And we just kept jamming. And we learned to respect that when they say to cut it, that's what they mean because they pulled the plug on us. <laughs> That was in Dallas. I was like, oh, my goodness. So I, you know, I don't know if they were enjoying it, but they could pull the plug. It was a union venue. And they say, you guys got to get off. And hmm. so. Won't forget that one. You don't want the plug pulled on you, bro.
1: No. <laughs> when you saw yourself on that Jumbotron, were you uh, playing? Because I would think that if you happened to be like, you know, in a rhythm and you looked up and you and kind of through you that you it might get you off the beat for a moment
2: yeah <laughs> it, it didn't get me off the beat and it was playing yes i remember that clearly yeah that's why it's so stuck in my brain but no it didn't it was just because i didn't stare at it because too many things going on on stage but i remember looking up there and seeing that and i was like oh wow that is so cool you know but uh it didn't throw me off uh
1: Jody, was there anyone in all of the tours you did with Switch back in those years that just super impressed you with their performance?
2: Well, there was, there was quite a few. Um, I just love the Barquets. I think we, we played with them so much. I just love them. They were super nice to us because we were kind of like rookies because that was like the first time we were out on tour. And uh, the Barqués are just super, super guys. Each and every one of them, too. It wasn't one that was a little different, if you will. They all were nice. So I have to say, the Barqués, and uh, and the rhythm, their rhythm section was just just killing it. And the one time I had a chance to really enjoy them was in Pittsburgh, when I actually went back up and watched them perform. And Barqués, they're the ones. They're the ones in the switch days yeah bar
1: well you know what you're not the first one on the show that has said the bar uh that they were super nice and helpful and also incredible performers
2: yeah that that's that that's so so important how you treat people um uh, no matter what and how the times we're living in and sometimes people just seem like we're Sometimes people get, it's an angry society. Everybody's mad and angry about everything. It still has something to do with being nice to people. And you just don't forget that. And I won't forget that. They always looked out for us. They were super, super nice people.
1: Hmm. Yeah. So, Jody, what changed or uh, some of the main changes uh, by the time Switch's third record came along? you know um how would you say that things were, were different creatively and structurally
0: well on the
2: third uh album um motown uh sent us to caribou ranch up there in colorado to record and that's where chicago recorded and all that which is an inter- interesting experience because i met uh brian wilson up there of the beach boys he he had a cabin up there and he was a uh, uh, so I had met him. But anyway, um, that's when it's pretty much Motown was letting us do our own thing. You know, pretty much have at it. Here you go. See what you could come up with. And that was okay. But we still should have sent maybe someone up there with us to kind of like give us some direction. Because we were just, we had a good time, obviously. But we end up finishing an album Back in California, because we didn't get a lot done up there. No, we didn't get a lot done up there creatively. I mean, we would let loose, man. We were on a, in a, you know, <laughs> in a, you know, campsite or however that was, and um, we just had more fun than we did of a uh, creative uh, juices there. Uh, so that that was the third album. So when we we came back and uh, we started formulating the album and what have you that's the one where it didn't have our picture on the cover
1: yeah and you also didn't call it switch three for whatever reason
2: yeah uh i tell you this though that there was a question mark on the my understanding at that time there was a question mark on whether we were still going to be a group at that time and that's why that picture wasn't on there but we still took some photos and if you see the photos we took There were some killer photos that should have been the album cover. I'm talking about Some of our best pictures was from that switch three, but it never made the album cover.
1: And the two albums, the the third and the fourth, both came out in 1980, like really close together. Right.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember the years of it, but they were close, but I would think that it was pretty much, uh,
1: yeah i guess so so. that third record didn't produce the hits but i did like uh, believe in yourself
2: oh yeah i would have liked to have done that over um that was uh yeah i would have liked to have done that over but uh that was i don't know i just talked to someone just about three days ago and said that was their favorite one um those some of those songs on there uh was it what was some of the songs on there? Reaching for tomorrow?
0: I'll call it right up and tell you uh, I got it here. Yeah, pull that up. My friend in the sky, wasn't it on that album?
1: Uh Power to Dance. Yes, my friend in the Sky. Don't take my love away. Keep moving on. The brighter tomorrow is an interlude. I oh, finally yeah. found someone new. Honey, I love you and get back to you.
2: Oh, yeah. That was some big, those there was some really, really good songs. And when we performed those songs, a lot of people really liked them uh, on that. Friend in the Sky, goodness. That song, and you you and I, we performed that song. Uh, Goodness. That was when Bobby really started coming to his own with his vocals and his writing. I mean that boy can sing,
0: goodness. Yes,
1: indeed. Did you have uh, much exposure to besides Tommy? Other members of the family? Did you know that their whole family was basically musical?
2: I, I knew they were musical, and I met them some bunny. Uh, I I I met her and knew her quite well, and uh, but that was it. The other ones, they were kind of young. But I met them all, and I knew them all. But I didn't really hang with them. They were like Bobby's little brothers, so to speak. But Bunny was more uh, older, and uh, yeah, knew her well. And she she really, really is a nut. you know that I always tell people that uh, that family. If I was to have a Mount Rushmore of talented families, they would be one of them. I'm talking from the beginning, every single one of them, goodness, every one of them. that's one talented family
1: (laughs) yeah up there with the jacks at jacksons and and uh the eisle brothers because
2: well yeah because um i don't want to confuse with record sales as opposed to talent you see because when you break them down talent wise i mean it's just phenomenal if you ever was in a room with all of them (laughs) every one of them they're just they're busy they're talented, man, and it's that's what I mean. So, yeah, I will put them up there for sure. They would be on
1: my Mount Rushmore for sure. So you got back uh, to it for the uh, fourth record, right? So you wanted to uh, try to regain the uh, the magic, maybe that was a little lost on the third one.
2: Yeah, 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 and uh, and uh, it was. You never really captured because the record sells, but well, you really didn't capture that first one. and uh, but that was another That was another good experience uh, during that song, uh, during that uh, that album. Uh, the guys were um, well mature by then, and we were ready to go out on tour at that time. Uh, love me over and over again. On that uh, fourth one, and so we went out on tour around that time.
1: And by that point, were you were you headlining, or were you still sharing bills, or how was it working?
2: So we were headlining some, and we were sharing others. So it wasn't a totally uh, headlining uh, situation. So we shared with some, and there was some we branched off and went and did our own thing on some of the uh venues that we went to but by and large we pretty much shared the bill with the bar case
1: and how many times
0: did you guys get on soul train four times i believe. four times at least
1: that's a a lot yeah
2: yeah 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 but i told you who to ask philip (laughs) philip Philip is bad he is uh that guy is so smart
0: <laughs> So then uh that was the last um, debarge record, right The fourth one yes
1: Yes And um, where was your head at you know as these changes were taking place? you know what was? jody sims thinking and how were you processing what was going on with the group then um by then
2: uh jody's head was uh pretty much into into my selfish self i think at that time you know it was all about me you know and uh, shamefully you know we all grow from that but i i'm i'm speaking from reflection now. Uh, you know didn't uh, everybody was off doing whatever they wanted to do and it was no real group at all and 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 I think all of them would say the same pretty much the same thing at that time fighting to stay in there but it's just it was almost like you're going upstream and the water's going downstream and you're just trying to paddle the. and then if you just slow down, you're just going to get washed away. And now I feel that's what happened. And it just, it was a point of no return at that time. I don't think we had the support of Motown at the time. Uh, and we didn't have, uh, there was no continuity there, the group. And so ironically, we still really cared for each other. So it was never in, in-, in fighting, if you will. It was just it was just like
0: disappeared. Just like poof. just like that. In the
1: fifth record, the last one for Motown. Um, I, I I don't know if you, how you say his name, but Atala Giles. How did you connect with him? Because I've seen his, I don't really know him, uh, but I'm curious about him because I've seen his name attached to so many different acts and a lot of them actually um after he, he's been involved with a lot of groups that were very popular, but then as they were a little less popular, he's been associated with them. so I don't know but but uh, he seems to bring you know some funk to what he does. I, I don't know anything more than that.
2: Yeah, he was just just a great guitar player. he was uh, good friends of Philip and uh Greg just a great great guitar player. he just was he would bring that uh that flavor uh that you're looking for and he can pretty much uh my memory serves me correct he can interpret what you're thinking almost you know if you want some licks uh it was just it was just a great great guitar player just and a great person as well and that that's nothing but good things to say about him play that guitar buddy and uh but um, he was more closer to Greg and Philip.
1: You keep me high on that record, on the fifth record. Definitely a funky track. Were you on the fifth record or what was the situation? Uh, no. Okay.
2: No, there were studio musicians at that time.
1: Okay. So the group was really on the outs at that point. Yeah. Uh, and then what about when it moved to toll Experience? Were you involved in that project?
2: Oh yeah. Oh yeah. We got together. Uh uh and Greg and myself and uh Eddie and and, uh and Greg found these other guys and we got that deal with uh Total Experience Records. So yeah, I was totally involved in that one as well. It was uh it was uh surreal. I mean it was it was okay. Uh we was just still fighting because you know it's hard to it's hard to break through and uh switch switch was such a uh we had such a reputation and all the individuals are intertwined together and so now you have this one group over here that didn't have that switch sound if you will and i'm not talking about just having a debarge voice but you didn't have phillips either so it didn't it just was one of those trying to, trying to make it almost all over again, so to speak. And that's, that's, that's the truth. But I uh, tell you what, uh, it was almost having fun again, though, when it was come recording it, we, we were capturing that fun again. You know, you see that Greg walking around he had that, that strut again. You know, you had uh, 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 Eddie is just phenomenal with his keyboard playing like maestro. He's phenomenal. And uh, have you have you talked to Eddie yet? Eddie, I'm going to tell you something about Eddie Flewell. He is you want to talk about underrated, not underrated, where people that meet him know his talent. But oh, my goodness, he is. um, He's a maestro within itself. He could play the Flight of Bumblebee on one hand and then another, you know, one of those songs or the other, whatever your word is. That's how talented that guy is. He took classical piano. He's a kid.
1: (laughs) No, I'd like to talk to Greg. Greg Greg is the only switch member besides yourself that has been on the show so far. Oh, okay. All right. right. Yeah. Um, Well on that album, I mean, like you said, it's, it's good. You guys had fun doing it, but I felt like, um, I know Oliver Scott was very involved and he worked with the gap band. He's actually been on the show and, um, So I think it had a lot of his influence, I just felt like, in in a lot of the sound. And Spend My Life With You was definitely one of the tracks on there that harkened back to more of the classic switch sound, I thought.
2: Yeah, that's true. We didn't have, uh, oh, Eddie, uh, there was a one on there that he did on that particular track, too, that had that switch sound. The harmonies and without the instrument just keyboards and strings and what have you but you're right it was completely uh because that was like a, a a funk group i mean everybody there you know they all you know a lot of uh drinking and a lot of other stuff going on in that studio where you know every everything was like party atmosphere where switch is success we didn't really have people in the studio ever we would have maybe one or two, but we were like, it was almost like 10 to 6. That was our studio sessions, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. So we go in there. It was business, you know, where when time we got the to total experience, it was, it was like a party. And maybe some people don't function well like that. I don't think we did. We were more of a, a nine to five type recorder, recording group
1: to me. Did you have any contact with the Gap Band guys, the Wilson Brothers, while you were?
2: Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. All the time. All the time. Very nice. Kind of uh, just really party, nice guys. You know who would fit well in that group would be uh, like Rick James. Because he that's just, you know, real happy people. Uh, the, the Gap Band, always happy, always uh, cordial, nice, uh, party type deal, you know, and nothing but good things to say about them
1: yeah Yeah, i mean the time when you guys were there they were at the top of their peak right then 1984 yeah yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. i gotta say that one track on their switch of baby was definitely very uh daz band whip it like
2: no comment
1: So, what happened with you and the rest of the fellas uh after that record
2: well what happened um First of all, obviously, that record didn't go anywhere, and uh, so um, we got into our own personal lives for a while, and there was a crossroads for me was where I had, uh, you know, I had three boys, and uh, I had to make a decision, and I made the decision to uh, just settle down and take care of my family, and that's what happened which I think was a good decision at the time and even today I have a uh, real fine boys there nice family and they they turn out very well and but that's that was my personal decision that I had to make back then
1: So what role did music play in your life in the you know ensuing years
2: Well I uh I I never left music cuz I actually got a recording studio and uh I did, uh, you know, I had a recording studio up there in Altadena, and it was a couple of people came through, like Monty Crew. They came in and uh, tore the studio up. No, I mean they came in and recorded some stuff. <laughs> and uh, the Spinners, I did uh, had a chance to uh, write a song for them. Uh, they were there at the studio there, and a song "Can I Depend on You?" Uh, so I still was involved but I still had to maintain and take care of my family and be present with my, my, uh, my boys. And I was, I was always present with their lives. Always.
1: I saw your name attached to a, uh, act called legacy. I wanted to ask you about that. What was that project? Oh, yeah. Uh,
2: yeah. Uh, Michael Norfleet and, uh, and, uh, Daryl and all them, uh, Karen White was in that group as well. Um, and just I just produced them, you know. Uh I've found them uh when I was with Switch actually, and I worked with them and uh just had some fun with them. We, we recorded, uh they had a really good song, uh, some songs, but it uh it just didn't get we didn't get where we needed to get to. But yeah, legacy. Um like I said, Karen White, she emerged from there, Michael Norfleet, he's still. He plays uh, with Switch when they go out there on tour and things like that. So very talented at keyboard. Very, very talented. And you know, it's really interesting. And, and I, what I like is I surrounded myself by nice people. Uh, I, always, I always do nice. And so when you hear me say, oh, they were really nice guys. That's because if I was hanging around them, to me, if they were nice to other people, then I like them. And Legacy was another one of those. Very nice, even to this day. You know, I've uh, uh, communicated with them sometime, Crystal, Howard. Uh, and, um, yeah, they uh, that was Legacy. Legacy was practicing in their mama's living room. And I went over there, I remember went over there, and they were just uh, all out here. We just got them tight and played a couple contests and things like that and made a record.
1: Hmm. Well, I know in 82, the groove is here was a catchy tune by them. Yeah.
2: Well, you you, uh, do your research, don't you?
1: Yeah. Well, (laughs) actually, I have a good friend who uh, is just an incredible record collector. He's in the UK. And uh, Uh he actually asked me to ask you about that Airwave label that Legacy was on. You know, if you... Knew anything about that imprint that was part of that?
2: Uh well, yeah, there was uh Tom D Piero. He was uh he used to be the ANR guy over at Motown, and so uh Tom he uh helped formulate that record label, and so that's what it was kind of like an independent uh label at the time, and that's how we got uh legacy on there, and Tom he he uh he he passed away after a while, but uh he was really involved in that particular uh project with me. Uh and and it turned out okay. But that's what it was. But it was just a one-hit wonder label, so to speak. It didn't really go anywhere, the label.
1: Jody, were you involved with any other uh recordings that maybe you're not even credited for that you're aware of? No.
2: No, I just uh Just stay in the lab. I was working with a group there in uh, Texas when I was living in Dallas, and I thought they were very talented, but uh, uh, they didn't like working with me because I wanted to work, and they wanted to watch football. I was like, (laughs) are you serious? We got a session. Yeah, but the Cowboys are playing today. I'm like, okay. (laughs) I'm not lying to you. I was like, uh, you know, they're not serious. But no, no. I've been in the lab writing songs for years. And now I'm ready to start, you know, working on some of that stuff.
1: So uh. were there were there one or two drummers uh you know from the uh, late 70s into the 80s when you know switch was doing it that um you admired?
2: Um again, it was more um I love the um uh, uh the backbeat type R and B drummers. So It wasn't any individuals. It was just the styles of the drummers that I really admired. And again, um, there was uh, uh, the James Brown backbeat. You had the Isley Brothers, uh, the way that they uh, be jamming on it. So, no, I wasn't really into the drummers that had a lot of solos and would be like that. I was more into just a group concept, stay in the background, pop the backbeat. And so that was, that was more of my, uh, my likings.
1: If someone never heard Switch, how would you describe their sound? And, you know, as you're thinking about that, I want to also just mention that, and I think to me, one of the unique characteristics of Switch was a lot of the varied uh, time signatures that you guys employed.
0: Mm-hmm. Eddie's to credit with a lot of that. Um, but um, how would I describe Switch
2: well uh, first of all um, I would describe Switch more of uh, I don't know it's a cross section between a singing group and a self contained group because the singing uh, was harmonies I mean it's all about harmonies uh, singing together uh, having those harmonies of and the, the trade off between uh uh the philip and the eddies i mean the philip and the bobbies i mean it's just the the i just look at it as a a singing group but a self-contained group so how do you mess that two together that's um that's how I would describe the group um you know uh i remember that uh billboard at one time the They uh, said we were like the Partridge, not, was it the Partridge family? Not the Partridge family, one of those, Sean Cassidy, one of those good looking uh, guy groups and uh, with no substance, but then they found out later that we had a lot of substance to our group. But I remember they described us that way at one time. (laughs) When we first was coming out, they was like, okay, but no, no, a lot of substance to that group.
1: Yeah.
0: So how would you describe it?
1: I think um you know that's that's a good description you know I think of other groups like that that like a bloodstone or a lakeside that really had a lot of singing uh group aspect to it but also the band too you know and just bringing together the the soul with the um with some funk that can be brought in as needed you know um and uh uplifting upbeat
0: um feel good
1: music
2: you know yeah i uh i agree with you on that um it was i could say this that um I believe that the genre we had and the direction that switch uh, went and the sound that we had. Nobody else had our sound. I still don't think so. I I have yet to hear a a group out there that I can say, oh man, that kind of like reminds me of a switch. There isn't one. I mean, you have the DeBarge if they have like, like L DeBarge may have Bobby's uh, style, if you will. And that is true. I mean, they they all have that great falsetta, But the collective group and the sound of the group, and the more we went away from the group and more like start inserting studio musicians in there, you lost that it thing, whatever that is. You lost it. And I haven't seen a group yet that uh, have that similar sound. I haven't.
1: Have you? No, I no, I agree. I mean, definitely, Switch had its own sound. There's no question about it. That was one of the wonderful things about that era, too. Is I mean, there were a lot of groups then that had their own sound and didn't, you know, yep, just copycat uh, each other. Even though the genres may have been similar uh, and elements were similar, you know, there are a lot of distinctive groups, and Switch is definitely one of those. Jody, do you feel like? you know, thinking of that, do you feel like Switch gets enough credit and attention for what it accomplished, you know, in in its legacy? And.
0: Um, I
2: don't know. That's, you know, that's a a difficult thing to decide, because um, what does credit, what does that entail? Um, I know that um,
0: we get, when I talk to
2: people, it's funny how individually I talk to people or I hear people talk of the group. uh, And they always have this praise and they hook that switch legacy uh, legend on us, so to speak, where I just took the word that they use, but when it comes to awards, if you will, that type of uh, recognition, I, I don't think we got the credit for it because, um, man, that group, it, it was it was unique. It was different. It was good. It was a really, really good group. And it's just too bad that uh, we didn't uh, have the direction and the management that would hold that group together. It's just it's just, you know, sad state of affair because um, who knows how far we could have went um, with that. But then, you know, we went, we went, we did okay. It's not a, but it should have went further. It should have went further.
1: Did you ever think about uh, like crossing over to the pop market at all? Did you think maybe that would happen or did you have aspirations or you just were happy in your slot, you know, where you were? No, we always wanted to. We always aspired to do that.
2: We did. We always aspired. And I remember back then it was real popular of not wanting people saying, "Well, I don't want to be called an RV group. Oh, I don't want to be called this. But, you know, it's like you might not want to, but that's how it falls. You know, the radio station have a certain format and they put you in that format. So just be thankful that you're in that format but you always wanted to stretch a little further and absolutely we always wanted to aspire to do that but we never got that opportunity i don't think we had uh uh yeah we didn't really break into that pop market so to speak we were we, we
1: had a label made in the commodores that kind of did that you know
2: yeah yeah i don't know we just never did we never did we we Went up, I don't know if we got top 40 on that at all on the first song, uh, but we didn't really break into the pop
0: uh market there.
1: Oh, there there'll never be, went to 36 pop. 36, top, okay. Top yeah. 40, so we yeah.
2: Did. yeah. We did break the top 40. <laughs>
1: <laughs> did you ever
2: cross paths I with... we were
1: close. Say what? Did you ever cross paths with Lionel Richie or the Commodores guys? Yeah, we, we
2: did. We did. Um, we, in, in fact, we were we were recorded in studio two or a or B or something. And they were recording at the same time. In that particular day Commodores was in the studio on the left switch was in the one on the right. It was, uh, uh, Stevie Wonder's birthday, Rick James was there, Diana Ross was upstairs doing a remix of uh, Upside Down, I think it was, and then Barry Gordy, he comes in. So at one moment, you had the Commodores, Switch, Stevie, uh, Rick James, Barry Gordy, and Diana Ross, all in that small studio at one, I remember that day. Uh, yeah, so we ran into uh, the Commodores at that time, Uh Yeah. Wow, cordial with us, but
1: (laughs) but they had some attitude.
2: I I I'm not going to say anything. I promised (laughs) myself I would continue to say nothing but nice things about people, even though they you know may have treated us you know a little jerky ish, but that's okay.
1: Mm. Well, you know, you are the (laughs) possible up and coming threat to them at the label, maybe.
2: I doubt that, man. These guys.
1: I guess. What do you think about the unsung that was done on Switch?
0: Um, I didn't like it
2: Uh, because, um, okay, because I have an attitude about it. Because um, I, they had me come back, and I did a lot of uh, interviewing for two days, and how. You know you always hear spe- specifically in the sport where people say, "Oh, they took that out of context and all that, and you'd be like, "Yeah, right, whatever, until it happens to you And that happened to me, and I just to this day I, I just I hate I, I I refuse to watch it because the words that I had mentioned, I mentioned so many uh, beautiful things about everyone. And yet, Somehow the way they had it where almost like I was ragging on the group. You know, I was talking about it was a part I was talking about Bobby. And how, uh, you know, he had he had this little special thing about him. But I also mentioned how Greg had this special thing about him. And Eddie had this special thing. So, I, you know, and Philip. So I talked to each about each person and how they're special. They have that special thing, right? And that's how the group was together. It was like a, uh, an all-star team, but it's also a championship team. So I talked about that. So what they did was they edited. It, it was edited in a way where all I said was that Bobby
0: had that it thing.
2: Really? So the guys was all upset at me. I'm like, wait a minute. So I called, I tried to get in touch with, uh, with uh, uh, unsung to, to say, Hey, you know, that footage, you know, I wanted to, I never did get through to him, but it's like, I'll just let it go. But you asked me and I'm saying it. I did. I I just really, so I don't know. I refuse to watch it because it took my words out of context.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm glad that you're able to share that with viewers now, you know, so when they watch it, they can just keep that in mind, you know?
2: Oh man, I hate it. Oh man. When he did that, it's like, yeah, I said complimentary things about Bobby and that he has that it thing, but I also said that about the other guys. Didn't see the light of day. I guess it fit the narrative.
1: So, yeah, well, I've heard that about that, you know, Um, that won't be happening here. Rest assured um <laughs> what about uh, have you had a chance to uh check out greg's book oh yeah uh i haven't oh, read yeah. it but uh anything you want to share about that
0: no i'm just happy for
2: him i'm happy for him i'm happy for him i mean and he's uh my understanding is he's working on a second one really so Oh yeah. So I'm sure it'd do well. So I'm very happy for him,
1: but I did read it. He's an energetic guy.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah, he sure
1: is. (laughs) He sure is. So to what extent, if any, and forgive my ignorance uh, on this, you know, have you, uh, you know, performed switch material uh, either on your own with other players or with past players? No, I haven't.
0: No,
2: I haven't. Just keep my chops right, and but I haven't. No.
1: Yeah, so I actually you were...
2: haven't. Just
1: go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. No,
2: I'm saying now I'm just uh, formulating the, uh, live performance, and I'm sure I'll get the right people to give that sound of some respect. Kind of excited about it too.
1: So you're looking to play some of that music? Oh again? yeah,
2: definitely, definitely, definitely. So you know, it's it's like the pre-production, but it's really pre-pre-production because it's all up and formulating it, and yeah, that's going to happen.
1: You think in the uh, 2023? Yep, definitely. Yeah. All right, definitely. Wow, that's something to look forward to. What uh, what would be, like, your favorite two switch tracks out of the catalog?
0: Favorite switch tracks. That would be... Um, They'll Never Be, and I Want to Be With You.
2: I Want to Be With You. I love that track. Especially to break down at the enemy and Tommy was just, you know, playing real tight there. Yeah, that that was one of my favorite songs to play too. So yeah, those are my two favorite tracks.
1: Would Would it typically take you many takes to get something like that on tape just like you wanted it?
2: It didn't. Not uh, I want to be with you for sure because it was just. It was just one of those natural things that me and Bobby, I mean me and Tommy, just we locked in. You know, when you lock in, you know, it was just one of those. So that one was a very simple, easy, just feel-good track to me. Uh, they'll never be. Might have been a little bit more, uh, more takes, but uh, not to. I want to be with you. So those are my two favorite tracks. Tracks.
1: Fair sure enough, what about one or two overlooked gems in the catalog that you feel, you know, if people maybe passed over them, they should go back and really listen to them again?
0: Brenda in the Sky.
2: That's That song is uh, the harmonies, uh, the, you know, the upbeat feel to it. And then Bobby's message, um, it you know, but it's that song. That song is overlooked. I, I think that's a a great, great song.
1: Great. So song. It, when you get it together again, maybe you'll pull that one out.
2: I will. I will. I will. Well, I don't. I I don't know because only that's that's one of those songs that I feel that only Bobby can really interpret that one. A lot of times people will say other songs uh, like the Isaac Brothers they did uh, they'll never be and I myself thought it was okay, you know. But friend in the sky, I don't think I don't think anyone could do that one. I wouldn't even try that one.
1: So maybe let that I one be.
2: <laughs> yes. Yeah. For sure. For sure but they should listen to that song.
1: Why should you look back? What are you most proud of accomplishing in your music career?
2: Well, as a whole, the the success that Switch had, um, I I look back on it and uh, I could relive it again. It uh, It was a good ride while it lasts. And it was actually something that a lot of people never had an opportunity to do is to live a dream that they had when they were a kid. So I had that opportunity of, from way back when, when my granddad used to sit me on his lap. So I was small enough to sit on his lap that I remember wanting to be in the music business. And the one day when I had a chance to be there and then uh, actually mention my granddad's name in uh, one of those interviews and he had to see it and how he lit up when he saw his name in that interview. That was really cool. <laughs> that was cool. So therefore, I was able to forgive him for the one time that I played with him when I was a young buck at a, a Polish Christmas party. And we were playing polkas and he kept turning around. Come on, come on, you know, because <laughs> I was that was the first thing I ever played. But he was much now that I look back, he must have been desperate. And they didn't have a drummer. And they was like, hey, you want to play? And he had this little makeshift old drum set that he had. <laughs> and, well, I've i destroyed those songs. Who knows how to play polka? <laughs> you know, so it's
1: fun. <laughs> But
2: I forgave him for that.
1: <laughs> uh, Jody, before I let you go, i like to ask guests, you know, if they could just name their five Desert Island albums. You know, if you could only have five albums that are ones that you were not involved in. And it might take you a moment to think of it. That's fine. But um, what five
0: are the landmarks for you personally?
2: Well, now I have to think about that. Uh, One would be uh, Stevie's Inner Visions. Uh, Yeah, I would would love to rock that one. Uh, Superfly, uh, Curtis Mayfield. And I think because I had the privilege of us being there when he was creating that song, when he was creating that, uh, it was his new sound. I said, hey, that was when I was with the Flashers and we were signing with him. Actually, we were signing with Curtis Mayfield at one time and he was in the studio uh, creating that new sound. It was just him and a Congo player. And that's all. And they were writing that song uh writing that album there and so every time i listen to it i i think back of uh of uh that that experience there uh so those those for sure are the two i think uh the full collection of the carpenters those songs all of their songs want to be closer uh we only just begun. So the collection. So it would have to be the collection, not just one particular, but their greatest hits, I guess you would call that. And also the Franklin, uh the uh the chain, chain chain
1: album. Uh I'll I'll figure out which one that was.
2: Yeah. I, I believe that's the one where it has uh on a natural woman on there.
0: Carol King Tapestry. Oh, yeah. And um, that uh, Bruno Mars. Which 24 one? 24 karat gold.
2: 24 karat gold, oh. whatever happens that on. I got to bring it up to date, too. That that, that. that kid right there, man, he's uh he's a monster dude. So those would be my.
1: You know, Intervisions is also my Stevie pick. It's you know, a lot of most people go to Songs in the Key of Life, but uh Intervisions to me is just it. Yeah,
2: it is. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is.
1: Well, I'm glad I asked you that question to get that tidbit on Curtis Mayfield.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, little added thing. Uh, the the Congo player because it was just Curtis and the Congo player, and he had a he was just smoking weed like right out of the open. It was like you know how long ago that was, and the room was just reeking of weed. Not Curtis though, but was the the Congo player, and the two of them. If you remember. That album was the first new sound that Superfly with the Congos in that style. That was Curtis's new thing. And he was actually asked us, what do you think about this sound I'm doing? And that's when he was uh working on uh he was doing um Superfly and Freddy's Dead.
0: Hmm.
2: Those are the two that he was doing that day that they were just just creating it.
1: Wow. So I think yeah. that would be like 72, maybe.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: Fantastic. Curtis Mayfield. Yeah. (laughs) Is there anything else that uh, we didn't cover, Jody, that you'd like to uh, share or talk about? No,
2: No, not really, other than just uh, thank you for for, uh, having me and giving me the opportunity to just talk. Uh, I do have that new song out, Dance and Freeze, though, and I want to get that little plug in there, you know. Uh, where can people get that backbeat
1: huh how can where where can people get it
2: everywhere excuse me one second it's on a spotify well everywhere you can get it anywhere and anywhere stream it youtube spotify uh, amazon itunes it's everywhere but uh yeah it's got that backbeat like i said if it's got a backbeat i love it (laughs) it's gotta have a backbeat bro. like that james brown backbeat that's that's what it is yeah (laughs) i even mentioned him in the song
1: so and how can people keep up with what you might have coming you know if you get it going with you know what you're talking about so
2: yeah you can just uh my page uh, uh jody's beat on facebook and the same jody's beat on uh uh, all the social media platforms and uh, keep you up to date on all, all the latest, greatest. Well,
1: hey, Jody, it's right. been great fun. Uh, thank you so much for sharing the stories and the history. And thank you so much for all the great music with switched through the years.
2: You're welcome. And thanks
1: for uh, having me on Scott. I appreciate it. I hope you enjoyed this episode of truth and rhythm. A big thank you goes out to our guest as well as to you, the viewer and listener. Also, much gratitude to Pleasure for supplying the show's funky opening and closing music. As a reminder, you can always access the complete list of linked shows by episode at funkinstuff.net. I urge you to support this program and receive the extra benefits along with that by subscribing to the Funk and Stuff channel on YouTube and sharing it with funk, RB, and jazz lovers joining truth and rhythms membership program at patreon, submitting a donation at funkinstuff.net, buying everything is on the one the first guide to funk book at amazon, shopping at the funky things store for cool merchandise at funkinstuff.net, and linking through funkinstuff.net for all of your amazon purchases. In addition, And as always, this is Scott Dr. GX Qualfind saying, keep on vibing to the rhythm of the one.